Let's foray into Nevada's wild spaces. This is a half an hour adventure with the Nevada Department of Wildlife. This is Nevada Wild. Here on this Welcome to Nevada Wild, brought to you by the Nevada Department of Wildlife. I'm Ashley Sanchez, here with your one and only co-host and equipment operator, Aaron Keller. And today we actually have a new face in the podcast room, new to your position and new to the podcast room, but not new to Endow. Mike Scott, the new game division administrator. Welcome, Mike. Thank you. It's good to have you in here. I appreciate the opportunity. (laughs) And then we also have Cody McKee, big game staff specialist, who usually joins us a few times this time of year. So once again, it's always good to have you in here and to have you share all your expertise with us. Yeah, thanks for having me back. It's been a while. It has <laughs> been a while. You sound so excited about it. <laughs> yeah, it's <laughs> the definition of madness. Here we are again. Yeah, yeah. it is Feels that like time we of year. Were just here. <laughs> yes. Yeah, right. I know. Where is time gone? It's March. We're first week of March now so we are approaching the big game application period which opens on Monday March 16th I can't believe we're here already so that's why we have the two of you here and Mike what a time to start oh yeah it's uh, (laughs) a it's a busy time Uh, you know it's a great time uh, exciting for for all of us but uh, it is challenging as well Um, not only do we have quotas uh reports and uh, you know all the big game stuff uh, do at this time of year but we also have sage grouse uh that we deal with so game biologists and staff at this time of year are extremely busy exactly and then before we get into obviously this is going to focus on the big game application period but i introduced you as the new game division administrator so could you give your a little bit of background so people know who you are where you came from yeah, I, I'm a Nevada kid. I grew up in Winnemucca and uh, went to uh, University of Nevada, uh, got my degree in wildlife management and started uh, with the Department of Wildlife. I was in Heiko, Nevada um, on the on the Guzzler project in southern Nevada, and I did that for a while. Um, I became the, the water development biologist, um, transferred to Battle Mountain for a little while and then to Winnemucca. And I was there for a number of years. Um, then I transferred down to Pioch, and I was the game biologist in Lincoln County for about 15 years or so. And uh, in 2014, I was I transferred to Reno as the Western Region uh, Game Division Supervising Biologist, and I was there for about five years. And then uh, just recently moved over as the game division administrator so I'm uh, I'm excited um, there's a lot of challenges um, at, at this point in my career to try to learn as much as I have to learn is going to be challenging <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah I've been sort of drinking from a fire hose and relying on on people like Cody to to help me understand some of the things uh, budgets and grants and things that we've been dealing with recently and it's things that I've never been exposed to so um, a lot of challenges, but I'm I'm really excited. So we are too. It's exciting to have you here. Thank you. In headquarters now. Dan, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you've seen a bunch of the states. So <laughs> yeah. A lot of this stuff that when you talk to game biologists and field staff, 
you've I mean, been you've, you've been, been there. in some of those spots and yeah uh you know we have water developments in every corner of the state all across the state and i was fortunate to be in a position at that time it was a statewide position now we have two different um water development crews but at, at the time that i was on it it was one crew and at one time i had visited every single guzzler in the state which they're everywhere and there's i don't know there's 1600 of them 1700 wow. of them something like that so yeah, quite a few. um i've been fortunate to work in every region um and just be around the state uh out in the out in the hills and uh, been exposed to it in so. some of the best places in nevada oh awesome arguably awesome yeah. yeah there's a lot of really really cool country all across nevada very cool and like i said you're joining us at a very busy time, um, taking on the new position, we actually have our big game application books um, hot off the press in hand with us right now. So when you're listening to this, it's actually probably, uh, if you're a hunter, it's on its way to you right now. So be checking your mailbox. You could also pick them up in our offices and see them online. So um, let's get into this. Um, Cody, let's start with you. Are there any major changes? Well, first of all, the application period opens March 16th. Um, for those of you who have been wondering, I know we've got a few questions on Facebook. Um, but it's never too early to start doing your homework. Yeah. So start doing your homework. Right. So anything you want to say to Co that? Cody's, <laughs> Cody's been yeah. uh, talking about this and going over these numbers for quite a while now and so he's probably yeah i guess you know <laughs> <coughs> we've been working on cranking out some information to get to our hunters i think in uh mid-february we released our bonus points on the website our bonus point tables um if you're a hunter i think that's some information you're going to be interested in uh where you can go and look at the number of people they're applying with given bonus point levels and, and who's been successful. So gives you a general idea of where you might stack up in the upcoming uh, big game draw. And then right now we're just wrapping up our harvest statistics, which will get out on the website probably by the time that this podcast is, is out. Mm -hmm. And uh, you can go on there and, and look at information like success rates and uh, four point or better 50 inch main beams for our bull elk. Um, so there's a lot of resources out there that are free to you. You don't have to sign up for a subscription. And uh, you can use that information to inform the way that you apply this year. And when we go out to um, conventions, like I, I was at the Sportsman's Expo in January, I want to say, and I know you've been out at Sheep and, Show. Yeah. We get all these questions of what do I need to do to draw a tag? It's all right there. You should be using this information that's at your fingertips yeah i mean we we always hear that it's kind of a commonality this time of year exactly and you know the one thing that we try to try to encourage folks to do is go back and look through historical data uh, we're traditionally a very conservative state when it comes to our quotas and there's a lot of there's not a lot of change from year to year with respect to the number of quotas that go out. In fact, if you look at harvest trends over time, everything's very stable. And so even in January, December, when people start getting antsy for this information, they can go to our website and look at historical data sets to at least get the ball rolling. Um, but again, it's always the, the most recent information that people are waiting for. 
And uh, if you recall, if you were a big game hunter last year, our deadline for reporting on your harvest surveys, your harvest questionnaires was January 31st. So here we are, it's only a month out from that time. And it takes some time to go through all that information, clean it up, uh, and get it in a consumable format that people can, can use. Um, and, you know, if we have a few minutes at the end of this podcast, we should go back and talk about those harvest questionnaires because we get some really important information from that. And uh, I think it would be good for us to just talk about what it is that we're doing with that information so that when you go and fill out your harvest questionnaire next year, hopefully you get a tag, uh, you know why it is that you're providing that information and um, can give us the most accurate uh, response possible. Yeah, let's definitely come back to that at the end. I think that's a great idea. Um, Also coming up, I know for Reno, um, I'm not sure Vegas' date yet, but we do have a big game application seminar in Vegas, but we're also having one in Reno on the 25th. So that's also a great spot to get some information um, on tips and strategies. I think you're presenting, Cody. (laughs) Yeah, we'll, uh, I think myself and uh, potentially one of our other staff specialists will be in attendance. Um, We always have representatives from all of our divisions, uh, Habitat, Law Enforcement, Licensing Office to answer questions and help people out. I think this year we're talking about mixing it up a little bit, maybe spending a little less time talking about uh, species ecology and uh, more time uh, in one-on-one sessions trying to help hunters that attend with their applications and making sure that they are uh, applying in the best possible way to, to draw a tag this upcoming year. Yeah, I think that's a good idea. I think a lot of guys that are strong or hunters that are showing up to those are really looking for the inside track to drawing a tag. Right. Not necessarily like learning about the species that they're going to be hunting at that time. Right. And yeah, we they, offer those great seminars later for tag holders, like the big game or the, uh, the bighorn seminars and the antelope prong seminars. The specific ones. Yeah. Species specific type stuff. So, yeah, I think when we give those classes, usually, um, we get a lot of attentive, uh members that are that are there trying to learn but a lot of times what happens is we go through species biology um, we talk about how the draw works and then once we get to our hot tips for the upcoming draw that's when the pencil hits the paper and everybody's (laughs) heads are down trying to quickly keep up with us right you guys are you guys do a pretty good job of like holding on to those cards until the right time too. It's pretty funny to watch, but right. Well, we got to keep that carrot. So people keep coming back year right. after year. Right. And so we do have two application seminars this year, one in Reno at oh. the Valley road office is Wednesday, March 25th from six to eight thirty PM. And then the Las Vegas is also March 25th from six thirty to 9 PM. And that's at the Clark County shooting complex. So it's not at our office. It's out at the shooting complex. So, Uh, But we'll post those on our social media. Maybe we'll post some of that info in the link of the podcast so everybody can Mm kind of set their calendars and uh, make sure they get the right date. And then um, real quick, because we just have a few minutes left of the first half. Um, Big dates this year. One big change is our application period is actually longer this year. It keeps getting a little bit longer each year to give everyone an opportunity to get in. So the deadline is May 4th. 
Um, at 11 so, p.m. Yes. So be sure to apply by then. And Plenty um, of time to get you in, get your friends in, get your family in. Everybody get their stuff organized and applications submitted. Exactly. Um, I think I'm just going to throw it to break right now because I feel like once I open the door to the next topics, it's I don't want to pause it from there. (laughs) So um, we will be right back after this quick break. You're listening to Nevada Wild. If you enjoy listening to our podcast, leave us a review on iTunes and SoundCloud. For more information on hunting, fishing, boating, and all things wildlife, go to endow.org. Now back to the show. Welcome back to Nevada Wild. Today we're talking about the upcoming big game application period with game division administrator Mike Scott. And we have big game staff specialist Cody McKee. Stumbled there a little bit. Um, And before the break, we talked about some important dates, some resources. But let's get into important information people should know this year. Any new changes people should be aware of? Yeah. Do you want to address that uh yeah i mean we can cover it real quick um so one big change that i think is hopefully going to be well disseminated and and people are well aware of is we've changed our eligibility for receiving elk tags so this year you can only receive one elk tag regardless of whether it's a bull or a cow and that's going to have implications on how you apply for elk this year because Um, If you're somebody that's dead set on drawing a bull, but you've also applied for a cow, um, if you happen to draw your cow first, that's going to make your bull application ineligible. You'd receive a bonus tag or bonus point, but uh, um, this year you would not also receive a a bull tag. Right. Um, So you want to think about how you use bonus points, um, whether or not you want to focus on a particular sex or if you're just happy with an elk tag, put in an application for everything and, and see how uh, everything ha- falls out. Roll the dice. Roll the dice. Yeah. We uh, are in Nevada. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that is really good information for people to have. So if you want the bull, don't apply for the bull and the cow. Exactly. I mean, especially yeah. if you're in that boat with a lot of bonus points um, and you have a good chance at drawing a bull tag it could be detrimental if you also have a cow application in. But again, um, I liked elk elk hunt, and uh, I'm in a waiting period for bull. So I'm in a little bit of a different uh, boat, but... Yeah, uh, you have a different strategy. I I just want to get an elk tag this year, and I would put in for depredation bull. You can also, uh, new this year, you can do uh, depredation bull hunt uh, application. You can do a regular bull hunt application if you're eligible uh, cow hunts, um, depredation cow. So you can put and an spike. application in and spike. You can put an application in for all of those sexes um, and antler classes, but you only get one elk tag. Very right. good information. And then we also got rid of what we used to call the delk tag, so the combination tag. Yeah, uh, we were using that. Uh, what it was was a management bull tag or management elk tag where somebody who had a deer tag could have another tag in their pocket, which would reduce congestion out on the landscape 
where one person would have two tags rather than having two people out there um, at the same time. Um, that was a strategy that we were using with some changes with the numbers of, of elk in the state. Uh, almost all of our areas are either close or under population objectives. And so now we're at a point where we feel like we can separate those out and we can have, we want more people out there, uh, allow more opportunity for people, I guess is the way to put it, where people will have a deer tag and then another person can have an elk tag. That's what I was going to say. This is all to give more people opportunity, both these changes. As best so. as we can. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's I a, mean, we're a very conservative we state it. for elk hunting. Um, and, and part of that is our management objectives and the number of elk that we have. Uh, and so like in, uh, 2019, we had over 280 people that had both a bull and a cow tag. And what this change does, um, is give about 280 more people a chance to go elk hunting this year. Uh, all things being equal. That's exciting. That's a lot. Very cool. Any other notable changes before, cause I want to talk about your strategies when applying for big game tags. But. One one change that, that is the, uh, right after the application process, when people receive their tags, if, if a person receives two tags and they know that they're not gonna go on one of those hunts, if if their, their child or brother or something draws a sheep tag and it's at the same time as, say they draw a cow tag, now they can return their that tag electronically rather than having to bring it into the Department of Wildlife. Um, and they can do it within, if they do it within the first seven days, they can do it electronically. So it, it just allows them not to even receive the tag and we can get that tag into somebody else's hands, uh, I guess in the second draw, so. Right, Very we, cool. we look back at the number of tags that were returned and, <clears throat> and um, we're trying to cut down on the number that do not get reissued. So we're talking about opportunity again, where we want to reissue those tags to somebody so somebody can go hunting for whatever species gets returned. Mm -hmm. And so by chopping that down to set the first seven days to electronically, we can, you know, everybody's on their computer and on their phones looking at the results the moment they're posted and people are receiving multiple tags or they're texting their buddies and saying, we got this tag, you got that tag, we're going to go. And then, exactly. you know, the, the timing doesn't line up sometimes. And so to be able to return them, I think is a great idea. Yeah. We reissue them, let other people go hunt. It's uh, a win-win for everyone. Yeah. And those are going to be reissued to alternates, um, not in the second draw, just to clarify that. Oh, okay. But, and, and that actually brings up a really good point. And when we're talking about application strategy is that alternate box, especially this year with the new change, there's going to be a lot of tags that get returned almost immediately after our tag results are released. Yeah. And so if you check that alternate box, that gives you kind of another chance at the big game draw this year. And I can tell you um, that there's a lot of people that don't check that box. And there's a lot of people that because they don't do that, didn't get a chance to do an awesome hunt like a bighorn sheep tag. I mean, uh, what we saw last year is we had uh, one Rocky Bighorn tag that got returned that we were unable to reissue uh, because it was th was within the, the two-week window of the season opener. But right now the department's really working hard to find strategies to address that so that we can get those tags in the hands of hunters 
before the season opens. Yeah, and even even with a say a Rocky Mountain Bighorn tag, the season is generally about two months long. So it might even be where we could reissue that tag if it was turned in. Uh, we could issue it while the season is still oh, open. Oh, that's good. No, and and it would still give somebody more than a month to to hunt. And for me, you asked about our strategies. I definitely check that that alternate box uh, just because you could give me just a couple of days notice and I could be if I could have that tag I definitely would take it and and go hunt is there a reason this is maybe the dumbest question ever non-hunter over here everyone um is there a reason not to check the alternate box really I I think it depends on the person um there's a lot of people that just like the idea of applying for tags and when the results come out and they find their learn their results they're ready to move on to the next thing so the other thing is that um to keep in mind is that those tags can be issued all the way up till till that hunt is basically right. starting and there's people that have jobs or yeah things that you know in their life that they can't just drop everything and go hunt right. like we're so lucky to be able yeah. to do sometimes you know <laughs> um so th- they want to plan ahead so they're putting in for you know like say you're having a baby or whatever and you or you have a wedding and you can't just drop everything and go. So if you're if that's your year, then you don't check the box. Gotcha. Yeah, there's okay. yeah. I mean, there's all kinds of strategies that are it's at play with the dependent. alternate box. But if you have that flexibility, um, and you do want to maximize your opportunity, your ability to get a tag, the alternate box is one way to go. Yeah, it goes w- your opportunity to draw a tag goes way up if you have an alternate. I mean, it's funny, but not funny how many tags actually get returned. Right. And so. the fact, like Mike said, that you could get the tag then during the actual season yeah and that's not in place yet but um we're we're considering ways that we could actually do that okay so So application strategies mike what's yours yeah you touched on it a little well for me i was the the biologist down in lincoln county (coughs) and for at least for deer and elk and and to a certain extent desert sheep um that's the area that i that i want to hunt and um so those are the areas um, I choose to hunt with a muzzleloader for for deer Um, those are the areas that I apply for Uh, elk same same thing I I apply for those areas I like the areas I know them really well I'm confident that I can go and and get back into a country that I'm hopeful that other people won't go to but uh, in general that's that's my strategy is I choose the the area that I want to hunt because I like the area Good strategy. If it works for you, then <laughs> yeah, if you don't well, it doesn't away. work very well because yeah. I have a lot of bonus <laughs> then points. Then maybe don't follow that strategy. <laughs> <laughs> this is what not to do. No. no. <laughs> Just kidding. What about you, Cody. Cody? How do you pick your units? Oh, you know, I would say it's a little bit of a hybrid approach, and uh, I'm always a procrastinator, so sometimes I'm down to the wire trying to figure out what I want to do, but I am a numbers guy. I like to find hunts that have high success rates and they're relatively easier to draw. I know that uh, a lot of times here I'm going to be burning a lot of gasoline anyways. And so I don't don't tie myself particularly to one place or a place that's close to home. Um, if I can find those high success rate hunts that are easier to draw, those are the ones I'm going to put in for, even if I haven't been there. Um, we have a, have a lot of staff. Um, within the game division and across the department that are awesome resources when it comes to hunting. So um, if I get a tag in a place I'm unfamiliar with, then I start 
reaching out, phoning a friend, looking at um, whatever resources I can online, getting on Google Earth uh, to, to figure out roads and access points. Um, and so, yeah, it's, it is a hybrid. I like to see new areas, but I also like to put meat in the freezer. Yep. As you can see, there's so many different ways. You yeah, can go for me, about my it. last yeah. choice for deer is almost always one-to-one draws. So that means I'm probably going to draw, right, two-to-one or one-to-one draws. But then I'm also looking at um, some of those easier-to-draw units that are like archery or muzzleloader as opposed to any legal weapon because they they're a little bit harder to draw. So, um, But don't overlook those, those units that are one-to-one because they can still have big bucks. Exactly. I've and if you're I have out pictures there. on my wall of big bucks that I didn't kill that were in one-to-one draw units, yeah. <laughs> yeah. and they're still alive. If you're uh, listening, at, listening at home and you're wondering what are the one-to-one draw odds, we actually started depicting draw odds differently last year. Now it's called a draw rate. Um, so instead of it being a one-to-one or a two-to-one, now you see it depicted as a probability or a percentage. Um, so the higher the probability, the easier that tag is to draw. The lower the probability, the harder that tag is to draw. And, and really it was a space savings uh, technique strategy for our summaries. Uh, but it's it's showing the same information in a slightly different way. Yeah, a little bit truer number as well, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it, it's still, we don't account for bonus points or choice level. And if you go to some of those subscription-based services, they're going to really get into the weeds on uh, um, multiple thousand simulations. And these are the most up-to-date, accurate, accurate draws. But... Really, you can break it down at least to get a general idea of how difficult the tag is going to be to draw by just looking at that draw rate that we publish on our website. Gotcha. Just another one of those important data things. I was going to say this is frustrating because we're just getting into it, and I feel like we're going to have to pause. So we'll we'll we're going to have to end the podcast soon. Well, I think okay. uh, we're going to have to do another one of these. Right. <laughs> our our point in doing this one so early is that. Get the, the applica- wheels yeah, turning. Get everybody doing their homework, getting the book, looking online, um, kind of deciding what strategy they want to take on, whether it's look at a map or look at all the data that we've talked about in the podcast and, and then um, kind of start chopping it up. Checking our SoundCloud and our Facebook because we'll do another big game application podcast with more uh, strategy. So, but before we go real quick, Cody, you wanted to touch back on the harvest surveys because I feel like that was a really good point to make. Yeah. So as most of our listeners are probably aware, we require mandatory harvest reporting. And I think that in some cases, maybe where that information goes is a little bit of a black box. And I'd like to just, you know, elaborate a little bit um, to our listeners what we use that for. That's the information that we collect and summarize, and then we we put back on the website as our harvest summary. So it's really important to provide accurate information when you report. Uh, something that we're going to provide this year that we haven't done recently is actually reporting uh, hunter effort. So how many hunt days and how many total days did people put on the ground in the, for their hunt? And that's just more information that, that the users can use to understand how difficult a hunt might be. If it has a really high success rate and a really low effort, then chances are that's probably kind of a slam dunk home run type of place to go get a tag and uh, spend some time looking for animals. Um, and so it's it's just a way for us to uh, 
um, give you the most accurate information. And then also it gives us an idea of uh, how hard people have to work to find animals. Uh, we also ask for things like wounding information. And I think there's a misconception that uh, that wounding is uh, going to come back to the person that reports it, it either in some penalty or it's going to affect their ability to get a tag the following year. And that's definitely not the case at all. We use that information to inform our population models and then uh, hopefully the following year provide the best possible quota we can given all the information that we've collected throughout the year. So again, um, no information that you report on the questionnaire is going to come back to you in the future and, and affect your chances of getting a tag or be penalized, anything of that nature. But we're just asking you that when you report, give us the best information you can about your hunt because that's going to, to ultimately uh, come back and be a benefit to you. Good. To well know. put. Thank you. Yeah. Cool. Well, that does it. But I'm glad you added that information. And everyone, remember, big game application period opens on March 16th at endowlicensing.com. Um, that does it for this week's podcast. Thanks both of you for being here. Well, thanks Thank for the you. opportunity. Of course. Thanks, everyone, for listening. Join us again next week for our next adventure, Nevada Wild. It's a production of the Nevada Department of Wildlife.